Hi, folks, and welcome to what we humbly submit to be the most empowering show on the radio, the show that proves that you don't have to settle for your life the way it is, that you can do the things you love, you can face your challenges head on, and you can start down the path of living the life you've always imagined. It's called Growing Bolder. I'm Mark. That's Bill Schaefer. We're a couple of journalists who make it our mission to challenge you by bringing in world-renowned experts, best-selling authors, and ordinary people. People who are living extraordinary lives. Growing Bolder is a radio show. It's a TV show, a magazine, a website, all of which offer you hope, inspiration, and possibility. And we're going to prove it in the next hour. Do you ever wonder what it'd be like to act on a Broadway stage? Well, we're going to talk to the creator of the Broadway Fantasy Camp. And then, do we all naturally react a certain way in certain situations? Well, you can find out how to rewire your brain. And humorist Marilyn Kentz has an answer to that age-old question, how old is too old to wear a bikini? Are you ready? It's time to start growing bolder. Oh, dig that tune. It's called Jumpstart My Heart from an awesome new band called The Slim Kings. I know, you probably never heard of them, but without a doubt, you are familiar with the works of the guy banging out that swing and beat. For over 30 years, he was the engine, the driving force, the backbone, the beef behind Billy Joel. (laughs) But now in his 60s, he is banging the drum of starting anew, of reinvention and staying relevant. In other words, Bill, he's singing our song. Love it. Or maybe we're singing his. He is one of the most successful, recognizable, and spectacular drummers in the business today, Mr. Liberty DeVito. Hey, Liberty, how are you? Uh, right now, after that intro, I'm feeling really good about myself. <laughs> right. We're here to serve. We appreciate that. Thanks for being on the program again. Give us a quick inside glimpse of what your real life is like. What are you doing today? Today? Well, it's really raining out. I usually ride my bicycle around uh, Prospect Park here in Brooklyn. Um, I go around four times just to uh, keep my stamina up because, you know, drums takes a lot of stamina. And, uh, but it's raining today, so I'm kind of in my house, and I'm going to go through my old vinyl and, and kind of pick out the ones that I want to keep in a special section. I think I'm going to do that today. Hey, it's sort of the same thing you were doing when you were 25. <laughs> you know what? I tell that to people that I went to high school with. I'm the only one that, that, that is doing the same thing that I did in high school. <laughs> now I'm still doing the same thing. Who knew I'd be playing drums at well, I just turned 63 last Thursday. And isn't it funny that, Liberty, that so often the things we fall in love with as kids end up becoming our passions for our whole life long. And you remember exactly when your love affair with the drums began. I think it was, wasn't it February 9th, 1964? <laughs> yeah, it was something like that. Those, uh, well, my saviors came on the Ed Sullivan show. And, um, <laughs> you know, I saw all these girls screaming at the TV. And I thought, uh, this is fantastic. A great way to meet girls, you know. Uh, and, and how'd that work for you? Well, I've been married three times, so I've got three daughters. <laughs> uh, you know, Liberty, isn't it amazing how life works out? Because you actually already had a band when you were a teenager, and you happened to run into a, a, another guy uh, who had a band as well, and, and his name was Billy Joel. Yeah. And that started but, one of the most successful runs in music history there, bud. Um, yeah, it was, uh, it was. I had a great 30 years with Billy. I mean, uh, you know, the, the hit records, the the tours, the, the girls, the, <laughs> you know, the money was, uh, you know, he wrote the songs, the songwriter gets the money. Well, yeah, but too, Liberty, it wasn't a, one of those deals, and a lot of drummers get stuck in this thing where you're almost either the session guy or you're the live guy, and you come in and you play the charts and you go home. You actually were a part of the creative process from turnstiles all the way through. Yeah, I feel... Um I feel that there's no difference between what I did for Billy than what Ringo did for the Beatles. You know, it's just that he had a name, the Beatles. I worked for a single guy, which uh, made it different, you know. So so how did it end, Liberty? What what happened? Um, I guess uh, he, 
Well, he's kind of like gone the Sinatra way, you know. He likes the, <laughs> the Tony Bennett kind of music, and uh, I don't know if he wants to rock and roll anymore. But I—that's what I want to do. I want to rock and roll. I—I I love classic rock. I love listening to Cream and Hendrix and all the stuff that I grew up on. But I don't want to be in a classic rock band. That's why I started the, the Slim Kings. All the guys in the Slim Kings, believe it or not, now I just turned 63. The guys in the Slim Kings are two of them are 29 and one's 24. Hmm. So it's old school, but with a new new touch to it. All right. And if you wonder if a 63-year-old guy can still kick it, let's listen to a little bit from the album Fresh Socks. Let's uh, cue up a little bit of My Waterloo, Jason. Let's listen to it. This is awesome stuff. This is a kicking band. It's a lot of fun. That song, Waterloo, was on a, an album. Uh, it was called Songs After Sandy. Over here, you know, of course, we, everybody got destroyed during Sandy. And Red Hook in Brooklyn here got especially destroyed. And uh, this woman, Elizabeth Freud, who's a, a, she does a, she's a publicist. She put together these three CDs, and uh, she actually, Slim Kings, if we'd like to be on one, we got on the second CD, and we're on there with uh, Paul McCartney's got a song on there, and Dave Stewart from the Rhythmics has got a song on there, so we're in good company on that on that record. So you're having a good time, you're making great music, you're also making a difference, you've always been a guy who likes to give back, and, and truth be known, Liberty, uh, in some circles, you are really only known as the father of the incredible actress Tori DeVito. How's that feel? <laughs> it's really funny. I do drum clinics sometimes, and a lot of the young drummers that come see me play, they're not really that familiar with Billy Joel. They know Billy Joel's with their parents or their grandparents or something like that. And then I'll mention about passion and how you know you need passion to be in this business and how I say my daughter you know, she's an actress and she's on TV and she has to, she's very passionate about what she does. And then they'll say, oh, what show is she on? And I'll mention who she is and what she does. And all of a sudden, it's like I'm not there anymore. <laughs> uh, you're right. I am the dad of Tori DeVito then. That's awesome. And, and and she's just having a blossoming career. And, and you are too again. And the cool thing about you, Lib, and the reason we keep coming back and back to you, what you did what you're doing now takes courage. It takes courage to step off of the state when you were playing big arenas and to go hang out with these young guys and to say, no, here's how we can put something great together and, and to, to get out and take a risk. I mean, what you're doing is everybody's dream again. Yeah, and the great thing about the, the guys in the Slim Kings and young musicians these days, uh, they, they really appreciate the older view of things. You know, the music business has totally changed. I mean, with, um, with uh, um, Pro Tools, being able to record real, is real easy now. You can do it in your own house. Um, with the, the pitch bender, anybody can sing. The, the, the Slim Kings wanted these kids, these kids, these guys wanted to be, um, uh, you know, do everything natural the way we used to do it. They want to be a band. So when you hear the record and then you see us play live, it sounds the same. They don't want to use that that pitch bending stuff or anything like that. And they're right. We're all writing great songs. You know, it's a lot of fun. And, you know, Liberty, we can tell it's a lot of fun. It's very easy to hear the passion in your voice uh, uh, in a guy that, as you say, will soon be 63 years old. And so many former rockers, you know, just no longer have, you know, the passion. They're either burned out, uh, it ended badly. Uh, is, is life as much fun for you today as it seems? Oh, life is more fun for me. Um, you know, I um, I got myself together. I actually have a life coach. Her name is Allie Berlin. She's fantastic. And I have a, uh, a nutritionist. Uh, her name is Dr. Francis. Uh, Gabrielle Francis is her name. She's a herbal chemist. Um, so I take all these supplements and, and I, uh, you know, get my head together. And, you know, I, I know my body's getting older, but I'm not going to let it defeat me. Um, I, I think young. 
You know, uh, it's really easy to stay young. You just have to think young, listen to some new music, and just, just stay healthy. You know, it's beautiful. Something else that you believe in a lot is making a difference, and that you've done that with great work for Little Kids Rock all the way up to another great organization, Rockers in Recovery. You put in a lot of hours, Lib. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a couple of things uh, coming up with Rockers in Recovery. Uh, in November, we're doing a gig down there in Florida. Uh, it, it's a great thing because there's so many people in treatment that want to still rock and roll, but um, they don't want to go to the bars. They don't want to bump into people that are drunk. They, they just can't deal with that. So we put on these shows. Myself, Richie Super, who wrote with um, Aerosmith, who's older than I am. Uh, Ricky Bird, who's like my age, who played with Jones and the Blackhawks. You know, we're all in there playing music. That's what we want to do. And, you know, you sober up and you realize, wow, I can do a whole lot more than I thought I could. <laughs> You sober up and you see more people like you out there. Isn't it amazing that there still is this community that exists that's, uh, you know, as, as excited and passionate about making music today as you guys were 40 years ago? Oh, yeah, I think it's it's great. I think it's fantastic. You know, good music will keep coming out. And, and hopefully now the, the the circle is coming around again where, where live music and live bands are going to be playing and there's not going to be the, you know, the to auto-tune singer anymore, that's going to go away. And, you know, I always wondered, like, if, if the steroids are illegal in sports, then auto-tuning should be illegal in music. <laughs> you know? That's beautiful. Hey, Lib, in 30 seconds, uh, what do you think the takeaway is? What can we learn from your experiences of, of what's really important in life? The thing to learn is that um, the older that you get, I mean, it's only an age. If you continue to think young, um, stay healthy and just love the people around you and be loved by the people around you. That's it, man. You, you will have the greatest life ever. Folks, this is one of the brightest lights in music. And make sure to check them out in the group, The Slim Kings. They got the album Fresh Socks out. He's on the compilation CD. Just look them up on the Internet. And the next time you hear a Billy Joel song on the radio, pay special attention to the drums because we owe quite a debt to the great Liberty DeVito. Thanks for the shot of inspiration, Liv. We'll talk to you again soon. Just jump, stop, Up next, a man who actually had to take flight before his lifelong dream ever could. This is Growing Boulder. Support for Growing Boulder provided by... The Legacy Life Project from Macbeth Studio. Preserving family history, stories, and memories for generations to come by creating personal video biographies of your loved ones. Everyone has a story worth preserving. LegacyLifeProject.com Check out Growing Boulder TV, airing on public television stations nationwide. Visit growingbolder.com slash TV for program listings and where to watch. Hi, Mark Middleton with Bill Schaefer, and this is Growing Boulder. And you know, sometimes we know exactly what we want to do with our lives when we're just kids. But as we grow and we get busy, things change, life happens, and it's really easy to put aside or, worse, even forget the things we were once very passionate about. Good point, Mark, but there is some good news there. It's never too late to go back to that dream. And if you're very lucky... Maybe you'll still have the chance to fulfill it. And with that in mind, let your mind take flight as we visit with a man who, by fulfilling a dream from his past, completely altered his present. You never know when something's going to happen that changes your life in an instant. Joe Pyers was driving to work when he looked up in the sky and saw this strange contraption, a powered parachute. His reaction was instant and unexpected. I start sweating, having heart palpitations. You've never seen one? Oh, yeah, I'd seen plenty of them. And I said, my God, you're 55 and you haven't done this yet. This was something you wanted to do when you were 20. You're 55 and you haven't started. I called the office and I said, uh, cancel any appointments I have. I'm going to go find this guy. It was like finding that missing piece of a puzzle you'd been working on for years. You see, Joe had dreamed of flying since he was a little boy. Now see, he thinks he's flying. You'll see in a minute. 
and he was about to get his chance in a bizarre machine called a gyroplane. But it was not exactly love at first flight. Clear prop. It's a terrifying thought. And when you see me, it's terrifying from here. It's just not terrifying from up there. And I'll be honest with you, I was scared. But, but the desire had been there so long, it just kind of rolled over it. Now, this is not the most popular hobby in the world. It's not. And, and it only is... <laughs> There's probably a well, reason for the that, The reason show. is the difference what you're going to see and what I'm going to see. I'm going to see something amazing. You're going to see somebody who's crazy. Uh, it's just that perception. But why a gyroplane instead of a conventional aircraft? Well, Joe's answer is as clear as a bright blue sky. When you were a little kid, did you want to fly? Oh, yeah. Did you want to be a bird or be in the belly of the bird? Be the bird. Everybody else gets in an airplane. The bird is the airplane's the bird. When I'm up there, I'm the bird. You know, I, I don't look around and see a cabin. I see my sneakers out in front of me. I see the eagle that I'm flying alongside of, and he's looking over at me. And it's, I am the bird. I am flying. I just happen to have this thing strapped onto my butt. Uh, so it's really, it's not what general aviation pilots think flying is. You hear them on the radio. I'm at 4,900 feet. My manifold pressure is, okay. You hear us talking. Oh, there's a turkey. Can you smell those flowers? You know, it's a whole different experience. We're not out there being pilots. We're out there flying. What are you like? Are you an adventurer? Are you a thrill seeker? No, no. It's not thrilling at all. It's serene, if anything. Um, it's peaceful. Oh, yeah. Isolating. Yeah. But I get to be a little kid, too. You know, when I decide I'm going to chase a bird and he's not getting away, and he's turning, I'm turning with him, <laughs> and he's going, what the hell's going on here? He loved it so much. He bought it, bought his wife a powered parachute, and they bought a home in a community that has a landing strip in the backyard. Every chance they get, they fly. Proof that it truly is never too late. Now in his mid-60s, that little boy's dream? Well, it's finally come true. And Joe, well, he sees life from a whole new perspective. Well, there is a clock running. And if I didn't wake up to the fact there was a clock running, I wouldn't have decided what's really important in my life. And I got the bucket list, I guess. I didn't create the bucket list, uh, but it dawned on me the same way it dawned on those people. You don't go on forever. There's a lot of parts of your life where you don't have the luxury, don't have the money, don't have the freedom. When you start getting to this age, some of that stuff goes away, and you better go back and reevaluate what you think's important. You know, I just can't imagine what else I would be doing and where else I would be doing it that I'd be having as much fun as I am. What a great way to explain things. I loved listening to Joe Pyers. He's a guy who really gets it. And if you really want to fly, don't settle for being in the belly of the bird. Be the bird. That's a great metaphor for really almost anything that you're interested in. Yeah, you know what I like about that, Bill? If it wasn't for actually taking a chance and following that aircraft that day, he would likely still be doing his 9-to-5 job day-to-day and just watching the years roll by in a less-than-satisfying way. And now... Well, he can't wait to wake up every day to finish up with work so he can get back up in the skies and soar. And folks, sometimes living the dream is really just that simple. Well, folks, if anyone ever tells you that you're too old for something, just remember the story of Dan Beach, who in his mid-70s may be the oldest webmaster in the country. Cool guy, huh? What kind of sites is he the webmaster of? How about movie stars like John Lithgow and musicians like Michael Franks, Tony Levin, Tom Rush? This is one with it septuagenarian. (laughs) Just ask Cecily Wilson. Mark and Bill, if you think the Internet is just for kids, Dan Beach would love to prove you wrong. Outside in his organic garden, Dan seems a lot like any active 70-year-old. But inside, he's one of a kind. A former radio broadcaster, Dan now builds websites for many well-known entertainers. Now in his mid-70s, he may be the oldest webmaster in the world. I just sort of found I sort of have to reinvent myself as I go along. 
and and pick up what is current and what I what I can bring to it and really use what's what's out there now. This is an exciting time with 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 computers. Fair to say you have as much passion for life today as you did 20 years ago. More. Absolutely more. Absolutely more. I'm I'm more interested in what's going on my mind my mind is just voracious. Dan Beach is proving, once again, it's not about age, it's about attitude. So ask yourself, how can you start growing bolder today? Mark, Bill? Ah, thank you, Cecily. And I think the answer, Mark, is you can start by not being afraid to explore all of that new technology that's out there because old school know-how combined with today's cool tools mean there's some pretty interesting opportunities out there for people of all ages. Yeah, you're right. You know, really the new technology is made for people over the age of 45. It can add a lot to your life. Dan Beach has found just one way to jump on in, and he is having a blast, so use him as an example. Up next, humorous Marilyn Kent on why she will never wear a bikini again. This is Growing Boulder. Support for Growing Boulder provided by the Center for Health and Well-Being, now open in Winter Park. Wholeness, fitness, and medicine together in one convenient location, offering programs and services to promote healthy living and positive aging. More at yourhealthandwellbeing.org. Sign up for the Growing Boulder Insider Newsletter, delivered to your inbox every week. Be the first to see our latest interviews, stories, and tips for making each day count. Sign up today at growingbolder.com. You're listening to Growing Boulder. I'm Mark Middleton. That guy over there is Bill Schaefer. And we're about to chat with one of the sharpest, brightest, funniest minds anywhere. She's a comedian, a writer, a sitcom star, a storyteller, and a fearless warrior for women. She was part of the comedy duo The Mommy. She's the, uh, the Mommies. She's the author of several books, including The Motherload and Not Your Mother's Midwife. And, and you know what else, Mark? It's hard to believe, but her latest work may have topped them all. It's for anyone who has ever discovered a chin hair or maybe even a body part that seems to have shifted. It a little bit from where it used to be. It's a one-woman show called Will I Ever Wear a Bikini Again? She's always telling it like it is and letting us know that you are not alone. So let's welcome Marilyn Kentz. How are you, Marilyn? Hi. I'm glad you mentioned that, Chen, here. I was just digging at one before the phone rang. Well, Mark pointed it out when you came into the room there, and we couldn't help but uh, kind of want to go for it. I obsess over them. I have to get it. I have to get it. I can be in an important meeting, and if I discover one and I'm scanning my face, I have to get it. Um, I, I start boinging it. I just, I got to get some tweezers. You know, one time I, I was driving and I didn't have tweezers with me, so I stopped into a Walgreens and I didn't even buy the tweezers. I just <laughs> took them off the shelf and pulled up. You know how the old Western hero used to always come into town with his six gun by his side? Well, Marilyn's got a big holster that's got a tweezer in one side <laughs> and a nail file in the other. Yeah, <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> so uh, let's answer the question before we talk about the show. Uh, what is the answer to will I ever wear a bikini again? Are you kidding me? <laughs> I Listen, I, I don't even know if I'll ever go swimming again. I, I mean, what would the circumstances have to be that I would be swimming? I'm never wearing a bikini. Is somebody going to push me off a cruise ship? I don't even know if I can swim. I've got this frozen shoulder. i just be going around in circles. <laughs> you are spectacular. And and you know what? For for people who don't know, you are also hot. And I was going to oh. ask you, do you talk about your age? Are you I, one of those women who... I, oh, yeah. I'm, I just turned last Saturday. I just turned 66. Hmm. And, you know, I have friends who, who don't like me to use the O-L-D word. Uh, but I just figure, like, wait a minute. What, weren't we the generation that said don't trust anybody over 30? Uh-oh. We thought 30 was old. I'm 66. I bet anything I'm older than the Golden Girls. <laughs> I'm, I know I'm older than the President of the United States. I'm old. I can handle it. 
You know, see, you've done so many different things, and we're all you know better for it because you do shine the light on some interesting topics in a way that you know makes it palatable, if you will, to everybody. It really does seem like a one-woman show is tailor-made for your skill set. Uh, tell us a little bit about the show. What do you do? Well, when I, you know, like you mentioned in in the promo, um, I, I my job is to let women know they're not alone. What happened was uh, uh, just about a year ago, I was asked to do like a little 45-minute speech on the challenges of aging for a group of women. And I already have a lot of journal parts and things I've written just on my computer, so I put them together. And then I thought, well, I should test this before I really get paid to do it. So I thought, well, let's get around 20 women and let me just see, you know, where the uh, strong parts are and so forth. But so I just advertised it on Facebook, and we had to turn people away. Mm-hmm. And this was just a little room in the back of a restaurant. So because I turned people away, I said, "Well, I'll just do another one." And it caught on. Men and women come to this. Women like to tell their men, "Look, I'm not the only one." And I cover everything from uh, <clears throat> the funny, funny parts, and um, sometimes I'll just shift gears a little and. Talk about some of the universal things that happen to all of us uh, baby boomers, which, um, you know, there's empty nest and there's also our parents' health decline and losing our parents. And I will talk about that a little bit just so people understand we're all in the same boat. We're all going through this together, you know, and the one way we can get through it is like I always tell them, you know, I I tell the young college-bound girls, you know, to, to... you know, keep your friendships with your, your, your women friends. Keep your good friends close to you throughout your life because you're really going to need them in midlife. Uh, and I also tell them, don't drink and do drugs now because you're going to really need them in midlife. <laughs> and, you know, that's why people flock to you, Marilyn, because we all need some of what you got. You're, you're positive and you're energetic and, and you're uplifting, even though, you know, you've had some pretty hard knocks in your life, but you keep reinventing yourself and you keep putting yourself back out there in a way that helps everybody. Yeah, I, you know, it, it's funny that um, I think if people just, once they hear the truth, you know, you can't, you can't gloss over it. I would never gloss over like, oh, I'm just always happy, which I pretty much am because I'm on Prozac. But mm-hmm. um, besides <laughs> that, um, I think I, have, I do have a really good attitude toward life because I live in gratitude. I live in a lot of gratitude. So um, I think that's where that comes from. You know, even, okay, years ago, we lost our house. Uh, you know, when the recession came, it was what year was that? Like 90 or no. 2007, or 2008. 12. No, we moved in 12. Well, anyway, it was going down. It was the, <laughs> the recession really was coming on hard. And I was making most of my money at that time by ghostwriting. But a lot of people who need to use my services um, are people who've had an interesting life and other people have told them you should write a book and they need help. So during that time, the recession was so large, no one was hiring me to write their memoirs. I mean, we all had a lot stronger challenges to face. So um, we got to the point where we just lost our house. And it was this one moment I had that um, I, I was in that funky depression where you can't sleep at night, but you want to sleep all day. And I was about to go down for a nap. And I asked myself that really big first question, that real strong one. The one is, well, what's the worst thing that can happen if you can't make a mortgage payment? And the only thing I could think of was, well, I'd have to rent. And then I thought, well, look at the millions upon millions of people who rent. Is that really so bad? And so I just shifted my consciousness from, you know, um, being fearful to to changing it to looking forward to something new. I said to myself, well, then why would I live in L.A. if I have to rent? All my kids are up in Northern California. So instead of walking away from something, we were moving toward a new life. And it just changed everything. I'm happy. I've been renting for the last three years, um, and I am 
blissfully happy there. I don't care. I don't need to own a home to be fulfilled. And it's interesting, too, Marilyn, that the, the, the main strains of your show are honesty, gratitude, and mm-hmm. reality. And if you mm-hmm. can grab those bulls by the horn, so to speak, then life kind of turns around. And whatever problems that we share, we find out they're not unique to us, that there are others going through That's the exactly same thing. exactly right. And I hope this show is a fabulous success. And really, how cool would it be if it came to television? Push your friends that way because you're so good and we, and we miss you so much from television. The uh, show is called Will I Ever Wear a Bikini Again? Make sure you keep an eye out for it if it comes anywhere near you. Another enlightening visit with Marilyn Kent. Up next, new evidence suggests that we may be predisposed to act certain ways in certain situations. Find out if you can retrain your brain. This is Growing Boulder. Support for Growing Boulder provided by... Winter Park's new Crosby Wellness Center at the Center for Health and Well-Being. More than just a gym, it features unique medically integrated programs, activities for all ages and skill levels, and free group exercise classes with memberships. More at CrosbyWellnessCenter.org. Stay connected to Growing Boulder for daily doses of hope, inspiration, and possibility. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for our latest stories and motivational pictures. My guard stood hard when abstract threats to noble to neglect. Bill and Mark here, and you're listening to Growing Boulder, the show that inspires you to think different, to take control of your life and start living it to the fullest. Now, we're about to meet a guy who will tell us that we have a long way to go to fulfilling that. He'll tell us that we're fooling ourselves more times than not, and basically, he thinks, Mark, that we're all kind of full of it. You told me that the other day, Bill. Yeah, this should really be interesting, (laughs) because what he's done pretty much is distill all of the scientific research that's been done over the past 30 years or so about the brain, and in a strange and and really somewhat twisted way, he's helping create an instruction manual on being a person. His first book, You Are Not So Smart, was a bestseller. This one is a mind blower as well. It's called You Are Now Less Dumb, How to Conquer Mob Mentality, How to Buy Happiness, and All the Other Ways to Outsmart Yourself. How's that for a title? Let's welcome the guy who thought it up and wrote the book as well, author and journalist David McCraney. Hey, David. Hey, hey, thanks for having me on here, guys. Man, I do not know where to begin with a title like that. Uh, I guess you could have called it You Are Now Less Dumb but Far More Delusional Than You Even Realize. Tell us just how delusional we really are. Well, you know, uh, you know I just want to you know, make sure everyone understands that I'm included in this, that you <laughs> includes me. Um, and I, I'm really talking about the uh, – I like that you said the um, – the instruction manual for being a person, because I think that's, that's what psychology really does offer us is sort of a, you know, it's not philosophy anymore. It's not just some guru who has an opinion about how we should live our lives. We've actually, we can see now that we're finally starting to form a picture of like how how do we work and how do we not work and what can we do about it. And the truth is that we have sort of a, a bestiary, a catalog, a uh, almost like a, a, a a system of organs and organ uh, systems in the mind that uh, we can um, predict that create biases, fallacies, and um, certain heuristics that are faulty in certain situations. And so what I write about is I try to sort of stick to two broad ideas, and that is that you're the unreliable narrator in the story of your life, um, and that you're unaware of how unaware you are, which means that your, your perceptions and your are deeply flawed, but we don't really see them as flawed. We, we just... Uh, we have a lot of um, we have overconfidence in what we're experiencing is 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 real and correct, and then that sort of couches us in the story of, of who we are and what we've done, where we think that we have um, insight into the antecedents of our behavior, the sources of what we think and feel. But uh, when you put people in a lab, it turns out that is not true. And since we don't live in a lab, I think it's pretty interesting to explain to you like uh, how exactly it is that you're deluding yourself. All right, so, so this is this is kind of interesting, you know. In one way, you're insulting all of us readers, but then we look through the book and 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 try to fight through it. You really do a great job of defining what you're talking about, how we think we're objective, but we're not. What what do we do with this information, David? 
And that's that's really why I uh, I did a follow up. You know, it's um, at first I was a little hesitant to try to just go ahead and and, and do an, another book like that, but I never I realized that I didn't give any advice in my first book. I just was sort of like, hey, deal with it. And um, in the second book, I was like, well, you know, the thing is that people always ask, how do we stop doing these things? And I'm always forced into a corner, and I say, well, you can't. I mean, this is like saying, like, how do we stop having eyeballs? I mean, we can't we can't get around it. That's just what we're stuck with. But there are what we should do instead of trying to get rid of these things is to come up with strategies to mitigate the damage that we could cause. I mean, everything I write about is, is adaptive. You know, scientifically speaking, it's adaptive, which just means that over our long evolutionary history, these things have served some sort of purpose, and they're more good than bad. But we are not in the same situations as a, as a modern person, as a modern species, in the, in, the, as, um, in, the, in the situations that we were that sort of formed these things. And so, yeah, sometimes uh, it's good to be um, to de-individualize, or it's good to uh, to fall prey to sunk costs. But there are many other times that it's not. And something that's very foreign to the human um, species is, are these giant institutions and these uh, these huge countries with millions of people who are uh, organized into one system. And a very small thing that uh, could just be an annoyance in a one person's life can translate into decisions that affect millions of people. And so I think it's important that we don't um, we don't have this overconfidence that we're always going to do the right thing or that we can trust ourselves. And when you proceed instead from saying, okay, hold on, we're very deeply flawed and we have to make sure that we don't do A, B, C, and D, that uh, you will get better effects. And that's sort of where you are not, New Year Now Less Dumb starts from. That's sort of the through line throughout the whole thing. Well, certainly, you know, get your reference to political figures who have deluded themselves into thinking they are something they're not. But but, but to some point, can't these delusions actually be helpful? Because aren't we really basically pretty frail and fragile uh, egos? And, 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 and to delude ourselves to think that we're something we're not, can that not be helpful and, in fact, get us to what we want to be? I think, you know, it's, it's situation by situation. So it's one of those things where you need to know um, – you need to know when it would be good and when it would be bad uh, to engage in things that you may not even be aware that you're engaging in. Um, certainly um, things like uh, self-enhancement bias, where you uh, it's a whole collection of things where you see yourself as slightly above average, uh, more competent than you really are. Th- those are That's good, yeah. You're, it protects you from the crippling effects of self-doubt. And obviously that means your potential ancestors who maintained realistic expectations, they must not have survived because we didn't inherit that. So, yeah, they're good in the best situations, but we are not often in the best situations. And uh, if you are, you know, the pilot of an airplane or the command of a ship or the command of a country or you're just um, in a position of authority within an, um, a company or another organization or you're just trying to live a happy and productive life, um, you should know the situations that and, – and the sort of the, the – the behaviors that could get you into trouble. And, and it's just sort of uh, no one hands you that instruction manual. And I'm, I'm just one of those people in, in the science communication community who's saying, like, well, here's some stuff you ought to know. Well, here's a question for you then, David. On this program, we try to encourage people like to live life to the fullest, you know, as, as we age and get older, take advantage of the days we have. Understanding the brain as you do, what will fulfill us? What kind of things should we be looking for? You know, I recently... Um, uh, conduct an interview with a psychologist who researches happiness. Um, and I wish that I could have talked to her before the book because she would have been a great addition to the over-justification effect, uh, the chapter on that, the over-justification effect. Um, because we already know that if you go from, uh, a, if you're struggling for money and resources, um, then money can buy happiness in the, in the sense that it can take you from a, a position where you're struggling to a position where you're comfortable. But once you're comfortable, that's, the counter, that's when the counterintuitive uh, uh, um, findings start to seep in, and that is in the United States, above an income of $75,000 per year, happiness plateaus. So the increases to day-to-day happiness almost completely level off. And that means that a person who is a millionaire who makes millions of dollars a year an investment, you know, banker, somebody who's um, who never thinks about money, um, or thinks about it too much, I guess. They, uh, a millionaire, has no more day-to-day happiness than a person who makes seventy-five thousand dollars a year. Uh, yet, people, when they're asked, um, "Would you would you be willing to trade free time and sleep 
to get from $75,000 a year to $200,000 a year. Most people are more than happy to give that up, when in reality they would be happier if they stayed at their current income level and were able to get more, more sleep and more uh, free time because we know that buying experiences and having experiences provides more lasting happiness than any physical object that you can buy. And once you, if you set a goal of I want to at least plateau out at $75,000 per year, no, there's, every other decision beyond that should not be about income. Well, the book is called You Are Now Less Dumb, and our guest has been the provocative Dave and McRaney. For more folks, check out his wildly popular blog at youarenotsosmart.com. Thanks a million, David. Up next, ever wonder what it'd be like to step into the spotlight on a Broadway stage? We'll tell you how to make that happen. This is Growing Bolder. Subscribe to Growing Boulder magazine, now with more information, articles, and photos than ever before. This quarterly publication is unlike any other, filled with the kind of inspiration you need to live your life to the fullest. More information at growingbolder.com slash subscribe. Miss an episode of Growing Boulder Radio? Subscribe to our podcast and get it on your mobile device. Details at growingbolder.com slash podcasts. There is no business like show business, and we're going to prove it to you right now. Bill and Mark back with you here on Growing Boulder, ready to introduce you to yet another guest with an incredible story. Her life changed forever because she had a dream and the courage to try to make it a reality. You know what? Every guest we have, their stories would make the most awesome Broadway plays, wouldn't they, Mark? You know, Billy... Do you mind if I call you Billy? <laughs> I think you are right. They've got all the elements. They start with a dream. They're blindsided by obstacles along the way. And then they find some ways to overcome those obstacles, achieve those dreams, and live life to the fullest. So you know who could play us in our story? Who's that? We could play us. Yes. Can you, can you imagine what it would be like to be on stage, you and me, in a Broadway play? Well, you know, it's funny you mention that, Bill, because there is a way now that anybody can find out. In fact, it was a dream of our next guest to create a Broadway fantasy camp to fulfill the dream of so many. And thanks to her, that dream is now a reality. So let's find out more as we say hello to Lauren Class Schneider. Hello, Lauren. How are you? I'm great, gentlemen. How are you? Oh, we're doing fabulous now that you've joined us. Tell us, uh, you know, give us the elevator pitch. What is Broadway fantasy camp? Broadway fantasy camp is the opportunity for anyone who's a fan, to be able to have the experience of performing on Broadway without the audition. So it's all pleasure and no pressure, and campers are able to sign up for an existing session where they have an opportunity to be in a Broadway rehearsal studio. Oh, this I'm past the elevator speech, aren't I? No, no, it's, 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 <laughs> okay, tall, it's a tall okay. building. <laughs> okay, it's a very tall building. It's taller than the Empire State Building. Campers come into a Broadway rehearsal studio, similar to what they might have seen on Smash, and the first thing that happens is a meet and greet, which is the typical thing that ever happens when a show is being put together. And they meet then with a musical director that will be associated with whatever show we're focusing on at that point. And they'll learn some of the songs. And they'll learn them as a group. And if they want a little bit of a solo, we'll give them a little bit of a solo. Oh. And if they don't, it'll just be like singing in the choir from elementary school. Oh, that's, that, that sounds too good to be true. But, Lauren, here's the big question. How did an adorable little girl who lived down the street from me in St. Louis, Missouri, end up finding her way to Broadway? What is your story? <laughs> I was able to turn my after-school activity into my profession. So how lucky is that? Along the way, I taught middle school theater and speech in Austin, Texas. Absolutely loved it. And thought about, hmm... Living in New York, be a stage manager, which was a passion of mine, given that how that function supports what goes on in creating a play or a musical. And I came to New York this summer after I taught 
and interviewed at a bunch of different off-Broadway theaters with the hope to become a non-paid production assistant. And lucky me, I got a non-paid production assistant offer across the board and went back to Austin, let the principal of the school that I really respected know that my intent was to move to New York to be a non-paid production assistant on an off-Broadway play. And he very caringly told me that dental insurance was added to the teacher's benefits and that that would be something that I, he hoped I would consider very seriously <laughs> before making the move to go work as a non-paid production assistant. So, Lauren, let's zip ahead. 30 years, you've had an incredible career. Tell us about some of the stars you've rubbed elbows with and some of the things that, you, that you've been involved in. I'm lucky enough to work on things like the Tony Awards and the Grammy Awards and the VH1 Fashion Awards and the MTV Music Video Awards. And the stars are regular people with extremely high standards. Sometimes they're, ident- they're called um, picky or persnickety or difficult to get along with, when in fact what they really are oftentimes are perfectionists. And they just want to do their craft as well as possible, which takes time and effort. So, you know, periodically there are, there are fun happenstances. One year on the Grammy Awards, Barbara Streisand was being honored, and Stephen Sondheim was on the stage talking about her. And I came down the stairs at Radio City to prepare for whatever my next task was. And it was the same year that, um, oh, my goodness, uh, the, the father-daughter team that did the um, record album, he had, oh, my gosh, he had since passed away. Was it Natalie Cole? It was Natalie Cole. It was Natalie Cole. It was the year that Natalie Cole released that album with her and her father's voice. It was the year that she won all of those awards, and... Standing backstage alone at Radio City is what it felt like. She was looking at me being in awe of Barbara Streisand, looking at Barbara Streisand, watching the monitor as Stephen Sondheim was talking about Barbara Streisand and her career. And in reality, there's so much just admiration and respect for all of these folks with enormous talent that we all just kind of look to support each other in that type of thing. So everybody goes out there doing their best when they're in front of the TV cameras or when they're in front of a live audience. Well, we love the story, Lauren, and we love what you've done in being able to bring this Broadway dream to everybody because it's kind of the growing bolder dream, too, trying to bring your passion to life against the odds. And this fantasy camp really can make a life memory for somebody. Mm-hmm. No question about it. We received communication from a, a husband who had purchased it for his wife's birthday last year. And... She was celebrating her 59th. She came and participated in Broadway Fantasy Camp, and fast forward a year later, he was in touch to say, there's a photo sitting on my desk of my wife when she was nine years old. She has the most beautiful, elated smile on her face. Not again until Broadway Fantasy Camp, when she did the presentation for friends and family along with the other campers, did I ever see that look on her face again? Mm-hmm. And we must do it again next year to celebrate her 60th. Nothing could be more meaningful than for me to see that look on her face again. And you get people of all ages from all walks of life. How do our listeners uh, find out more about this, Lauren? Our direct phone number is 212-713-0366. And our website is Broadway. Fan, F-A-N, camp.com. 
You know, it's incredible that not only can you go, just going to New York is magical enough, going to see a play even better, but going up there for a while to be on the stage, to feel what it feels like to live that dream, no matter what your interests are in life, it's a very empowering, very releasing, very reassuring thing. And Lauren, thanks for making that dream come true for so many people out there. That's Broadway fantasy camp creator, and a great visit with our friend Lauren Class Schneider. Thanks, Lauren. Well, folks, that is it for now. But remember, Growing Boulder doesn't stop here. In fact, it's just the beginning. You'll find hundreds of interviews just like the ones you've heard today with TV stars, movie stars, rock stars, sports stars, authors, business leaders, medical experts, wellness experts, financial experts, travel experts, and, of course, regular people who have found their way to living exciting lives. All of it, Bill, is at GrowingBoulder.com. And isn't it the cool thing about Growing Boulder, Mark? It is for every one of you. And you'll also find information there on where to watch Growing Boulder television and how to subscribe to Growing Boulder magazine. So until next time, why don't you ask yourself, how are you Growing Boulder? Growing Boulder is a production of Boulder Broadcasting. All rights reserved. This program was recorded live at Growing Boulder studios in Orlando and is available as a weekly podcast on NPR One, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play Music, Stitcher, and TuneIn. It is written and produced by Jill Middleton, Mark Middleton, and Bill Schaefer. Executive producers are Jackie Carlin, Robert Thompson, and Emily Thompson. Technical director is Jason Morrow. Production manager is Michael Nannis. Director of technology is Joshua Doolittle. Chief audio engineer is Mac Dula. And our most important team member is you. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram to keep growing bolder every day. Stay.